Well, guys, welcome to the November 2016 Youth Pastors Roundtable Call. We are so excited for this call. I know it's going to be uh, very helpful and informative uh, for us. Uh, we've got a great speaker today, a good friend of mine, and someone that I know you are going to want to hear. Um, but uh, it's November. It's uh, weather is beginning to change, and uh, it's the season of holidays. And so I know a lot of people are traveling and uh, beginning their holiday plans, and uh, so that's uh, a big reason why I just want to remind you guys we do have the podcast, so if you've missed a call, you can go ahead and hop on there, and I'm sure a call like this uh, with the holidays, a lot of people will be jumping on, so to everyone on the podcast, welcome, and thanks for joining us uh, whenever it is that you're joining us. So just a reminder that the call is is designed for us just to kind of hang out and talk and, and talk about ministry and life and, and how things are going, and it is interactive, and so at the end of this call, I'll be switching over to our Q&A time. And again, that's star six to jump in. Uh, it's not open right now, but it will be later. So just uh, if you guys have questions, feel free to write those down so that at the end we can jump in and, and uh, get to some of those as we go. But a couple of announcements for you guys. Uh, Victory School of Leadership, we are uh, looking for next uh, semester. Uh, we just had a great night down in Lawton with the guys down there, and it was just a great night. So love to come out to uh, your, your youth service um, and work with you guys there. Um, just a reminder, we do not have a call in December. It'll be uh, Christmas time, so we're going to take that month off, but we'll be jumping back in in January, and we've got some phenomenal speakers lined up for you guys. Um, we don't have them up on the website yet, uh, but we will shortly. We'll be emailing you about who those callers are and um, topics that we'll be talking about. But 2017 is going to be a great year, uh, going to be diving in some great topics. You'll want to keep uh, checking out the website. Uh, this summer, Paul Turner and I did a call uh, talking about our upcoming book called Prepared for Impact, The Youth Leader's Guide to Effective Planning. And uh, I want to let you guys know that that book is officially now in pre-orders. Uh, so it'll be coming out in January, but we are doing pre-orders now. And if you order it now, uh, we will go ahead and send you a, a book before it's actually uh, officially published in January. So you can get that on Amazon. And we will also be sending out an email later this week or early next week with some discount codes uh, and some Black Friday discounts for that book, as well as some other products that we're, we're putting together with the book. Um, some training videos and things like that. And so we'll email you guys out all of the information on how you can get the codes for that and for discounts. But it is available on Amazon as well. You can jump on there and order that. So like I said, no call in December, but uh, January 27th will be our next call. And uh, go ahead and check the, the website for that. And the website is, just in case you don't remember, it's yproundtable.com yproundtable.com. And for our call today, uh, Doug has, has sent us some notes for you. So if you have not already jumped onto the, the website, yproundtable.com, I encourage you guys to jump on there right now, download the notes. Uh, he'll be working through those notes. And for the podcast listeners, you guys can go to yproundtable.com, click on previous calls, and then just search for the November uh, call and uh, the notes will be there for you guys. Um, if you are not receiving our emails, uh, please uh, send us a, a um, email. You can send it to me at ryan at victoryleadership 
victoryleadership.tv. That's Ryan at victoryleadership.tv. If you're not receiving our emails, please uh, uh, hit us up on that. Also, uh, if you want to get more information, you can text us at YPRT at 51555 to make sure to get our text messages. We send out text messages to remind you of all of the calls and information that's coming up. So if you're not getting our text messages or our emails, please let us know. We want to make sure to keep you guys informed as to what's going on and uh, make sure we get the right information to you guys. So I'm excited about today. Uh, you know, I, our call today is with Doug Edward. He has been a youth pastor for 15 years and for the last nine years has been the district youth director for the Assemblies of God in Oklahoma and Doug has uh, been a great friend of mine, a, a fantastic leader that I look up to uh, for the last six years, and I'm excited for him to share his story, and his life, and uh, just some application for those uh, man, who have students that are going through some suffering, some wounds. Uh, maybe yourself have, have recently uh, gone through some hard times. Uh, Doug's going to share his story and uh, help us walk through those seasons for ourselves as well as our students. Um, so, Doug, the table is all yours, man. Great. Hey, Ryan, thanks a lot, man. It is an honor and a privilege. Hello to everybody out there. I look forward to – I really look forward to the Q&A time when we get done. So I'm going to try to go quick on this because I just think there's more value in that when we talk. But it is an honor to be here. Um, man, I really was excited looking forward to this. In fact, um, there's a couple of things that happened leading up to uh, this phone call that God really took me in a direction of, hey, I want you to share this. And I don't mean to sound overly spiritual, but when you deal with pain and suffering and things like that, I mean, part of it is spiritual. And, you know, part of it is talking to God. And so um, I just want to start off with this little story. I had received a phone call from a um, from a kid in North Texas, and he actually is on staff at a church. I call him a kid. I'm 44 years old, so anybody younger than me, I guess, is a kid. Um, but he was calling me about uh, another student that had interned with us at our camping program, and he was wanting to get a reference from me, so I gave him the reference. And um, at the end of the phone call, he stopped me. He said, do you remember three years ago when you came and preached at such and such university? I said, yeah. He said, you preached this message, and it was about suffering, wounds, and scars. I said, yeah, I remember it. And he said, man, that so impacted my life. I just wanted to thank you for that. I didn't know if I would ever get the opportunity. And I don't say this in a bragging way, but I say it more so when you've been in youth ministry a while, you realize and you even hear this, that most people don't remember our messages. They don't remember what we preach day in, day out. They remember how we live. They remember, you know, just the love that we show. But this kid had remembered this particular message. And I thought back over the years, there's a couple messages that I've remembered that really impacted me. And so with that in mind, I thought, you know, I really feel like that's what I'm going to share today, more so in a teaching format than in a message. But that's what you have in front of you, those notes. Um, but before we get into that, I'm just going to share a little briefly. And then if you guys want me to go further into it, I'd be glad to. But four years ago, uh, my wife and I lost our four-year-old, at the time, son to cancer. He had neuroblastoma, a softball-sized tumor in his tummy. And so as you can imagine, it just life just fell apart. And it was about two and a half, almost three years that, um, that we fought cancer with our son. We have a 16-year-old now who's an incredible kid, Seth Everard. 
uh, so thankful for him. But even in the midst of this, that was such a battle and so tough. Well, over the last four years, obviously, we've been healing. We've sought counseling, go to a professional counselor. Um, you know, sometimes I've found out through all this suffering and pain, the church does not always understand how to handle that real well. We have all our pat answers and we have all our things that we say. And honestly, I think truthfully, they make the person who's saying it feel better than really the person they're saying it to. And so I've learned a lot through that process about just being very transparent and being very real and not having the answers, but simply saying, hey, we love you and we're praying for you. Um, just some other perspectives so that you know. Uh, of course, our son went to heaven. We've now been without him for four years, and we just bought his uh, gravestone this last summer. It's taken us four years to do that, just in the process, the realization, um, just the pain that is there is just so strong. And so just taking us every bit of that. Um, I lost my mom to cancer in uh, May of this year. She had a 10-year battle. And um, that was a little bit different. The pain was different, but there was also a lot of joy there because to see her not suffer anymore and to know that she'd fought a good fight and go on to heaven. But, you know, there's still pain there even when you lose a relative, as many of you know. And the last part of this that I guess I want to put out there is our best friend is Brandon and Erica Knight, and they live here in Mustang, Oklahoma. For those of you, I'm sure there's different parts of the country represented out there. But she has stage four cancer. In fact, they're at Disney World right now. I think the Disney company got them what they call cancer tickets. And so they're out there with their kids even today just enjoying that time. And so we've had more than our share of cancer and just seeing all the suffering and things that go on. And uh, it's just been an incredible journey, and one that's just day by day. And so with that said, there's a lot more that goes into those stories, guys, but for the sake of time, I just kind of wanted to give you a framework of where I'm coming from. I want to jump right into, um, into this handout. But before I do that, I really believe in getting to know people. I value relationships. I know Phil's on this call, Phil Freeman. I don't know if any others uh, but I know things about Phil, man, that are like secret stuff um, that not necessarily could get him in trouble, but he's weird. And I think we're all weird in some way, and I think we need to share that. Um, we just recently did a conference and had the speaker come in, and um, I sat down with the speaker. I just said, man, what's one thing about you that like, most people would be shocked to find out? And I could tell he was really hesitant. He didn't know me. You know, I was just getting to know him. And I just do this with a lot of people. I said, well, let me give you, for instance, like I love OU football. Now, I'm not a militant fan where I like to beat people up or get angry. Um, I don't lose sleep, but I'm a hardcore fan. We've had season tickets in my family since the 1950s. And so college football is a big deal, especially with OU. Well, there's a certain thing I like to do, and I'm actually preparing this for my retirement. I love to cut out OU magazines and cut out the players. And I have like thousands of these cutouts now. When I retire, I'm going to build a barn. I'm going to do this massive collage in my barn of the history of OU football. Every time I tell everybody this, they just kind of look at me and go, dude, you're weird. Or, you know, and I don't care because I love it, man. I just, I, it's something I love to do. I love to tell people because they know something different about me. Um, well, so I share this with this guy, and he finally goes, okay, I see where you're going. And he says, he says, you know what? You know what's weird that I like to do? I said, what? 
he likes to wash his car every single day. And so I'm like, are you serious, dude? Like, that's a lot of money. Like, that's crazy. Because now I just have this, I want my car to be clean. So the next time I went to the car wash, I took a picture and I sent it to him. I said, hey, man, guess where I'm at? Um, and I just think it's great. There's a lot of value in that in our relationships. And so I want to encourage you guys to be transparent and be real. Even if it's weird, it's okay. Um, you'll find that people really kind of tend to lower their defenses and laugh a little more and open up a little more. So I just wanted you to have something fun to kind of know me about because you don't know me from Adam. But um, let's jump right into this um, uh, this handout here I got for you. Um, there's a couple of things there at the top, a skateboard story, climbing the fence story, uh, basketball story, motorcycle story. Those are all things that happened to me. I actually got scars, physical scars from those events, um, just stupid stuff I did as a kid. We played baseball in the pool with a skateboard. We took the trucks and the wheels off of it, and it slipped out of my friend's hand and hit me in the face and just split open my lip and there was blood everywhere, and so I remember getting these stitches. And so I can look in the mirror today, and I see this scar. Um, I remember riding the motorcycle right after it rained. I turned the corner on our five-acre property where I was growing up, and it was barbed wire fence. And, man, I slid right into that thing and just got completely tangled up. And I've still got scars that I can look at and go, dude, I remember that. I remember that moment. And I would suspect we all have scars like that. But even what we're talking about today goes much deeper than just a physical scar. I mean, we're even talking about emotional, mental scars. And I'm going to say this to you guys, and I hope you will catch this. I'll say it again before it's done. Um, When you hear a story like mine here, oh, my gosh, they lost their son to cancer. That's horrible. I don't have anything to complain about. I would caution you, and I would stop you, and I would say this. Listen, pain is pain, and God cares about all of our pain. We like to amateurize our pain. So, hey, cancer's at the top of the list, losing your son. It's not going to get any worse than that. But the reality is when you hurt, you hurt. And that's what God, that's why he's so good, because he doesn't doesn't show favor to a family because they lost their son to cancer. You know, there's, there's kids out there that are suffering because of their relationships with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and they're just not getting it right, and they're emotionally messed up. God cares about that pain. Um, and we try to minimize our pain. We try to kind of suck it up and say, hey, but I would say to you that you don't need to do that. You know, God loves you, and he's aware of your pain. No matter how big or small it is in your mind, pain is pain. And so I, that's not in your notes, but I hope you'll keep that in the back of your mind as we go along. So the first statement there, and guys, I'm going to go kind of fast, so if I miss a word or something, I'll give it back to you when we go through the Q&A. Our wounds and our scars tell a story. Our wounds and our scars tell a story. That's the first blank there. In John chapter 5, verse number 1 through 7, the healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used uh, to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And then I put this in parentheses here. I gave just a little bit more. And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. One who was there had been an inv- invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been 
in his condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, let me pause here for just a moment. I'm going to read this next part with you. Uh, in Brendan Manning's book, Abba's Child, I was, um, I was reading this particular book. I was on an airplane. And um, for whatever reason, I was wearing glasses. I don't know if it was bright outside or whatever. But as I read this next part, I just began to break. I remember sobbing uncontrollably because I was dealing with the death of my son and just just really, you know, just, just hurting. Um, so um, in that book, uh, it says, uh, let's see, Thornton Wilder's one-act play, The Angel That Troubled the Waters, based on John 5, 1 through 5, we just read. It dramatizes the power of the pool of Bethesda to heal when an angel stirred its waters. And this is your next blank. A physician comes periodically to the pool, hoping to be the first in line and longing to be healed of his melancholy. And that's M-E-L-A-N-C-H-O-L-Y. And melancholy, if you look it up, it really, it, it stands for depression. Um, that's one word that you could put in there. And I think it's interesting that it's a physician who's coming to get healed as well. But let's move on here. The angel finally appears but blocks the physician just as he's ready to step into the water. The angel tells the physician to draw back for this moment is not for him. That's your third blank. The physician pleads in a broken voice for help, but the angel insists that the healing is not intended for him. The dialogue continues, and then comes the prophetic word from the angel. Without your wounds, where would your power be? It is your melancholy that makes your low voice tremble into the hearts of men and women. The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched and the blundering children on earth as can one human being broken on the wheels of living. In love's service only, and the next blank is wounded soldiers can serve. And then it says, physician, draw back. Let me move on here and then I'm going to give some comments. Later, the man who enters the pool first and is healed rejoices in his good fortune. Turning to the physician says, Please come with me. It is only an hour to my home. My son is lost in dark thoughts. I do not understand him, and only you have ever lifted his mood. Only an hour. There is also my daughter. Since her child died, she sits in the shadow. She will not listen to us. And in the last three lines, but she will listen to you. And so as I was reading that story in that moment, I began to break on the airplane because when you suffer, when you deal with pain, when any of us deal with that, honestly, one of the questions, we're, we're asking why. And I think one of the things I've learned, even over the last four years, that I've even gone back and applied to suffering and pain that happened years ago, um, is assigning purpose to that pain. Now, this is not just some self-help thing that just gets you by and gets you better. Um, I would kind of go off and just say this to you guys. There's been a lot of struggle. There's been a lot of anger towards God. Um, there's been a lot of moments in a counselor's office talking through and just working this out. So I don't want to come across today sounding like, wow, he's a superhero or he's a saint because for him to go through this. And I always I like to remind people of that because you see the good side or you hear me today and I'm doing great today, but you don't see 
the moments when I'm at home. I don't see the moments when you're down and you're really hurting. In fact, I think many times in our churches, we're not allowed to truly show that because we've got to have it all together in our minds. And some people, they, they want us to have it all together because we are their leaders, we're their pastors, we're their heroes. The reality is we don't. And so I want you to keep that in mind as, um, as I talk through this. But I'm sitting here in this moment, and I'm reading this story, and I'm realizing, you know what? God's using this to reach people and to touch people. The, maybe the healing, maybe the more important than the healing of my son is that God wants to use all of us in our pain. And some levels of pain may be deeper than others, but he wants to use us to show the world, to show people that you can still serve God even in the midst of what is incredible pain. And maybe God needs that now more than ever, not only in our lives, because quite honestly, we're taught in America to be the best, to be number one, to be first, to run hard, to run fast. And if there's any kind of pain or any kind of problems, and it must be because of a lack of faith or sin in your life or something has happened here, you just don't measure up. And I've got some resources at the end that kind of give comment to that that I'll talk about here in a little while. But the reality is, is that God wants to use our pain. He wants to use our suffering. He wants to use our, our scars and the things in our lives to reach people, to impact people. Well, we don't do a good job of teaching that. We run from that. We run from suffering. We run from things that are painful, especially in the church, because nobody wants to be down all the time. But the reality is some people are so lost and so hurting that God's going to use our unique stories to reach them. And they won't be reached any other way. It won't be a preacher standing on stage smiling and saying, God loves you, because that just sounds so surface and fake. When they hear somebody who shares the depth of their pain and where they've been, but yet they're still loving God, they're still walking with God, it doesn't negate the anger towards God. And I'll just stop and say this to you guys. It's okay to be angry at God. It's just not okay to stay there. That's not in your notes. That's just kind of, that's just something that we've learned, that my wife and I have learned. It's okay to put your anger on God, to yell at him. You know, if you've ever been in a fight with your spouse or something, maybe you're yelling at each other, you're angry at each other. It's that same thing with God. I've learned that God is not going to strike me down. In fact, he's long-suffering. He's patient. But the reality is if I stay in my anger, I'm not hurting God. I'm just hurting myself because he does have a plan. Now, that sounds like I'm just saying, hey, you just got to get up and move on. I guess in a sense you do, but you have to understand everybody's pain and what they go through is so different. It took us four years to put a gravestone on our son. There's some people who probably would criticize us for that. Um, there's others who would say, hey, take your time. Do what you need to do. And so you've got to figure out that journey yourself, whatever that pain is. Um, and there's no timetable on it. Um, so the next um, – paragraph there is, our most effective moments in ministry is when we share our wounds with those around us. We need to be honest and open about the scars and the pain, the disappointment, and the next line there is the anger with God. And as I told you before, um, I found that through my personal time and talking with God, that anger is actually good. And here's something else just for you to think about. God created those emotions. He put those emotions inside of us. Now, we're to be a steward of that. Because obviously anger can turn into something very dark and real and, and cause sin in our life. 
But remember, God created those emotions. And so he understands that when we're angry. And it's not this God in heaven who is striking us down or wanting to strike us down. He wants to walk with us and walk in relationship and walk these things out. Um, quote from Jeannie Mayo, you lead people through your strengths, but you connect to people through your weaknesses, your pain, and your suffering. I added those last two. I don't think the full quote has those two in it, but I just added the last two. It's so true. When you become transparent and you share where you're at and your pain, it just opens all kinds of doors. Um, it makes you real, um, even though you are real, but I think sometimes we deal in perceptions in the church and with people and we deal in surface relationships and um, but this allows you to go deeper and really minister to people. Uh, the next uh, line there, the world says, if it's broken, throw it away. God says, unless it's broken, I can't use it. And I think we need to be careful with that statement there. I don't think we all need to be running around going, man, I'm broken. I'm, I went through this. I went through that. I think it's just as life happens. Life breaks you. I think God uses things in your life to break you, but it's not to push you away from him. It's to show you of how much you really need him. Um, you know, they told us when we lost our son through counseling and just some books we were reading that I guess it's 80 to 90% even is that high that couples will get a divorce after they lose a son or a daughter. Well, my wife and I can't imagine life without each other. I can't imagine life without my 16-year-old. And you know what that is? It's because of our relationship with the Lord. Um, and it just makes all the difference in the world. But through that, and I would say this, I've heard people say this to me, but I think it's so true. When you look at men and women of God, you look at people that you revere or that you put on a pedestal, you think, man, they're so great or they've done so much, probably they've paid an incredible price. And that's come through brokenness somewhere. Um, and so remember that. Uh, we had a youth leader. We were in northern Oklahoma as youth pastors nine years ago, a little probably longer than that. Um, and uh, I remember this particular youth leader. It was, the, it was the wife, and they were getting married, and they were going to go. They're in full-time ministry now. And I remember her saying that, well, I'm never going to have that Houston experience. We were in Houston for four years, and it was just a horrible experience, a lot of pain, a lot of struggles in ministry with leadership. It was just horrible. And I talked about that, and I shared with them as a teaching moment of, look, these things are going to come. But had that not come, and had we not been wounded and dealt with that, and even some of those scars left, we wouldn't be where we're at today. And so we had to go through that. But she was so adamant to say, I'm not going to have a Houston experience. I'm going to, almost like I'm going to do it all right. And I, I kind of thought to myself, I thought, Lord, I said, she just doesn't understand yet that that's your school of brokenness. That's how you train us. That's how you teach us. You know, again, this mentality of America, we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid brokenness and scars and all those things. But that's actually what makes us strong. That what makes us who we are, and that allows us to minister on a different level. Um, here's some other great points that I want you to think about. When Jesus appeared to his disciples just after his resurrection, he said to Thomas, Put your hand into my wounds and you will know who I am. There's the scripture reference there. Jesus was identified by his wounds. He overcame death, hell, and the grave, still had the scars in his body. He could have shown his disciples a body that had no marks of his previous agony, but he chose to let them see these awful reminders of the price he had paid. And just think about that for a moment, um, how powerful that is, that statement that he made without even saying it, like, 
he just chose to have those wounds on his body because he knew there were people like Thomas that would doubt, that wouldn't completely buy into that. But the fact that he champions those wounds and puts it out there, I think, should encourage us. You know, many times we try to hide our wounds. We hide our scars. But I'm finding that God wants to use those. Even even if it's not cancer, even if it's something you screwed up on, you made the bad choice and there's a wound there now, or more likely there's a scar, there's a teaching moment that God will use. Um, Let me move to this last part here real quick because I think we're right at the point where we want to do questions. In the past, the problem has been that people have settled for brokenness and surrender as an end and not as a means. And I've explained this a little more. This has led many people into monasteries to live out pious lives that do not change their surroundings. Piety should not lead us away from the world, but it should strengthen us so that we can be effective witnesses in the world. The easiest thing to do is to retreat from the challenges that the world brings to the church today, yet the purpose of God for breaking and causing us to surrender is to equip us to confront those challenges. And guys, there's some scripture references there that I won't go through. You can just read those on your own. It's just to bring a little more encouragement. But I had a conversation with my wife um, oh, just a few weeks ago, and I was just kind of checking in and asking how are we doing, you know, how are things going, how are you doing, and, you know, we kind of gauge each other. I feel like one day we will go back to the local church. And, um, but there's still a part of us that still feels like God is healing us before we go back into, quote, full-time ministry. And it's not that we're not in full-time ministry now, but as a district youth director, we do events, we go and preach, um, we share. But we've also got, we can hide a little bit more. You guys that are out in the church, you can't hide as much. You know, it's just out in front of you. But I just noticed, you know, and I'm really kind of just checking and going, man, where are we at? How are our wounds? How's our pain? How are we doing? You know, and you just sense that God is healing us, and you know that he is, but you also know he's preparing us for that next season. And I think that's important, too. Sometimes you have to take time to heal, and you have to recognize that and realize that, um, that even though you're still teaching or maybe you're still preaching, are you taking moments for yourself to heal, to get help? Um, as I mentioned before, we go see an incredible counselor. Uh, I would send, I've sent eight to ten guys to him since I've started going. And I would say if you're a pastor of any kind, it's healthy for you to get some perspective, some counseling at a certain point. It's not unhealthy. It doesn't mean you're not following the counsel of the Holy Spirit or you're not being spiritual enough. It's just good to have somebody else that is trained to speak into your life and look at those heart issues and help you look at them. Um, The last thing I want to say here, Ryan, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you and we can do the questions. There's resources at the bottom, guys. Um, That book is a must-read. It's called Glorious Ruin. I would put this in the hands of people who aren't Christians, who ask, why does this happen? Um, You know, why does God cause suffering? Um, And there's just a couple of great... There's a couple of great paragraphs. I've highlighted them in the book, but I don't think I'm going to read them. I'm just telling you, um, you must get this book. Even if you haven't been through this gut-wrenching pain of life yet, it's worth reading. Um, it's just an incredible read. It's ministered to me on multiple levels. And then there's one more I just bought last week, and it just came out. It's called uh, Between Pain and Grace, Biblical Theology of Suffering. I, you know, I've talked to several ministers we don't have a really good theology on suffering, um, although we see that Jesus suffered greatly. 
And, um, you know, he was a man of sorrow, as the scripture says. But we tend to push that away, and I think it's time we embrace that. But realize we don't have to walk around with sackcloth and ashes. It's just a part of who we are. That pain is a part of what makes us up, and even being a witness for him. And so I'm anticipating this being a great read because I'm just in that study, in that mode of learning more about that, obviously, because of what's happened in my life. But it's also been a great blessing to help others. So, um Ryan, I'm ready, man. I'm going to turn this back over and we do some Q&A and, um, and go that direction if we're good. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Let me go get this started. Doug, thank you so much, man. That was, that was fantastic. Uh, if you guys have a question, you guys want to jump in, go ahead and hit star six. That's star six to jump in and uh, get your question. We'll just take them uh, kind of as we go. But, Doug, thank you so much. Um, it's really... Uh, close to my heart right now because uh, just over the last two weeks, just in our internship, we've had four students lose their um, significant family members, um, yeah. a mom, an uncle, a grandma. Um, we've got one that's just in uh, a terminal illness situation right now. And so um, talk to me as youth pastors, youth leaders, uh, what what do you feel like our role is? How can we come alongside these people? One, during those last days. So, for example, um, you know, we've got a girl right now whose dad is in the emergency room and, you know, hospital, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a, 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 a healing coming out of that. What do I do um, helping them during those last times as, you know, a student, the family? And then right. what what's our role in the first few days, weeks, months afterwards? Talk us, talk us through that a little bit. I, that is probably the best question you could ask, and I'd love to answer it from my perspective. You know, guys, we tend to turn on our pastoral, we put on our pastoral hats and our prayers. The greatest thing you can do is just simply be there for them, stay connected to them. Simple text of, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for this situation. Don't get spiritual. Unless you've got a direct word from the Lord that you know, you're supposed to speak, keep it light, but stay in contact with them. Let them know that you are there and that you're walking with them and that you love them. I'll never forget, my wife and I still talk about this, and some of you who are, if you're, I know Phil, I don't know if there's any other Oklahoma guys on here, but if I said the name, you'd know it. But there was a guy, there was a minister who came in, and Gray was in the hospital, and he was just sick and tired of everybody laying hands on him and praying for him. And I was too, you know. It, it wasn't demonstrating any lack of faith. It's just that people were praying. We knew that, you know. And I think there's always some who feel like, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to heal who or whoever. Um, but this minister came in and said, well, Doug, let me just pray. Very formal. And I said, well, okay, we can try. But I'm just telling you, Gray's not. He, and he's just insistent. Now, that's fine. Well, as soon as he lays hands on Gray, Gray just starts screaming. And I'm laughing. Uh, actually, I'm not laughing, I'm grinning, because I think this is a great moment, because this guy's trying, you know, and he's, he's sincere, but it was just like one of those moments, we didn't need somebody else to come in and lay hands on us and pray, we just need somebody to come in, give us a hug, and say, man, I love you, I'm sorry you're going through this, we are standing with you in prayer, is there anything we can do for you, um, and then they moved on. That's the greatest thing you can do, especially with these students. Now, with students, I think they have a lot more questions. Um, you know, I'm a reader, 
that's why I gave you those books because I thought, man, I want to get ahead of this. Like, how do I deal with, you know, I read a lot of books on just alternative lifestyles and homosexuality and how do you handle that and talk with that because I wanted to be ready when kids came in. And it's the same kind of thing in dealing with pain. I think we're looking for answers. I would say stop looking for the answers and just simply be real. Don't even be pastoral. Just love them. Um, and, and look for moments where you can just keep it real with them. Um, and then I think the last part there, Ryan, is over the course of time, as time goes by, people, people forget the hardest part is after. Like, for instance, I lost my mom in May. That was actually, you know, I don't want to minimize death, but it was actually been a really positive thing. It's one of the greatest funerals I've ever done, and I was honored to do it for my mom. But like my dad, my dad is hurting. He's suffering. He doesn't know the Lord. So I check in with him a lot now. Like, he's going with me tomorrow. We're running a trip to Springfield for my work, and he's going with me, and I'm just hanging out with him. I think it's as the time goes by, that's when, as Christians, we don't do as good a job of checking up on each other just asking each other, how's it going? And I think especially with students, that's where they slip into a dark world um, and kind of just slip into their own world. So that's what I would say. Yeah, that's great. Now, I got one more before we jump in. Uh, now, talk to us about if we are the one that are experiencing loss, maybe a loss of a, of a mom or a father or something like that. Um, right. What, what, what do you think some good things for us to prepare ourselves for, to look for, things that we should be doing in those first few days, weeks, months? Yeah, I would say right off the bat, give yourself a huge break. I would also say um, people get people hate this. I'm, I have to be careful here because um, this hits home really close. But if you need to pull back from church a little bit and stay at home, do that. Because sometimes the pain is so great and people around you know it and people mean well, but people freak out. They don't know what to say or do in crisis or chaos. Um, And it's a gift to be able to do that. I would say I don't do a whole lot of things well, but that's probably one of the things that I do better is just understanding in the midst of chaos and everything's swirling and God's not showing up and he's not healing that's actually still some of the greatest moments when God is right there. It's just, we panic. And I think even when it's us who are dealing with that, I would just say, man, cut yourself some slack. If you need to pull back, pull back. Um, Take some time for yourself. Maybe church is right where you need to be. You know, I know for us, we pulled back from church um, and in many ways still kind of do that along the way and just protecting ourselves and not having – there's some people who just come up and they ask questions. It's all superficial, and you just don't want to go through it. Um, But, you know, um, all of us are going to lose grandparents, parents. That's kind of a normal – that's the normal, you know, it's the circle of life kind of thing, which sounds kind of funny. But, I mean, that's normal. That's normal. We understand there's life, you know, there's birth, there's life, there's death. But that still doesn't take away the pain that's there. And so I think for some, it's deeper than others. You know, my mom, I've not shed a tear since my mom passed away. But I think it's because all of my grief was in my son. For my mom, it was a celebration. It's just not a big issue for me. But for others, losing their grandparent or somebody else, it cuts really deep. And I think if that lingers, that's where you get help either by your pastor or even going, like I've said, to a professional counselor. 
Um, again, I'm a big proponent of whatever I'm going through, I'm finding books to read on because it helps ease my pain. It gives me perspective. When I lost my son, I found a book that was written by a minister in northern Kansas, and he lost his son. And he was using the same language that I was using, but nobody else around me was using, and I thought I was weird. But it connected on so many levels and gave me so much comfort because when you're alone at night and you get up in the mornings, those are the toughest times. So I found resources like that that would help me. And then, of course, obviously your friends. You've got to have people around you that truly love you, that aren't going to give you the superficial answers, that are just going to walk with you and love you. And some of that sounds so simple, and we all kind of know that, but when life falls apart and it happens, we don't always um, respond real well. And so it's good to have those reminders. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, Let's jump into a, a question. Uh, Michael Moore, go for it. Uh, when you went through this whole uh, tragic thing, were you full-time uh, youth pastor? I was not. I was a full-time district youth director here for the Assemblies of God in Oklahoma. Um, we've done this for nine years, and so I was the district youth director here. Okay. Yeah, how, like, going through that, did you find yourself wanting to step away from being in that ministry role? Like, how, how was it uh, oh, going to day with what you were going through? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Michael, um, yeah, I'll tell you this, and then I'll relate it to our friends who are dealing with cancer right now. Like, there came a point, and Phil probably remembers this, like, I didn't even show up to the office for weeks. Now, my boss said to me, uh, Frank Cargill, he said, Doug, he said, you do whatever you need to do to take care of your family. So there were days when I would come to the office and I was ready to go. I was ready to work. Um, now, the perspective was either my wife or I were at the hospital with our son. Because when you start cancer treatments, it's very aggressive and it's very fast and it's all hands on deck. Well, what was a blessing for us is our family was here. But I just thought to get away, I would come into the office and sit and try to work. I couldn't do it. Like, I was done. In fact, my assistant, Robin Johnson, who was just incredible, she was shouldering the whole load, which honestly caused her to quit and go back home after everything was done, and we buried my son because she just could not handle it. Because I didn't show up. I couldn't. I couldn't function. Um... I was doing good to get out of bed. We were mustering the energy, all going to the hospital. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm not trying to sensationalize this, but you're giving your son chemo. He's throwing up. Um, um, there's just, there was a bone marrow. There's all kinds of horrible things that are going on. And I just, we were just shutting down. Uh, but we were fighting. We are trying to do everything I can, but there was many days we couldn't pray. I remember one time I went home and I threw myself on the bed and just sobbed and cried and just just got it all out because I just like, God, this is so horrible. I just don't even know. I didn't know which way was up. I mean, I would come into the office in sweats and a T-shirt, and I ballooned up to 341 pounds. Um, I was just really at an unhealthy place. And I could tell the people around me were hurting and wanted to help, but there's really not much they could do other than pray. And so, yeah, it was a horrible time. Um, And I even, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I had not been in the church world if I had been able to do that. I've heard of people who've 
battled the same thing in their work, give them two weeks, and after that, if they can't function, they let them go. And so we were very fortunate. And to shorten this here, Michael, our friends who I told you about that are battling cancer now, he, the husband is going through that now. He works at a church, and he can just barely function now because he's, he's, he's been told his wife doesn't have long to live, and barring a miracle, she's going to die. And He's got two little kids, and he's sitting there, and he loves his wife, but he's just, he's, he's just barely functioning. Um, he struggles. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that was very, very much our world. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's so wild. Uh, I couldn't imagine going through stuff like that. But, you know, I, I do want to say that I do connect with you a little bit, uh, the way that you were talking about with your mom. Uh, I know when I was growing up, I, I lost my family, and Ryan was there for me. Uh, during that time of my life, my dad was going through some stuff, and uh, it was really hard. It took me hard. I was so angry at God. I had so much anger. I, I think at one time I cussed out Ryan one time. And he sat me down, and it was awesome. I had that counselor that you were talking about. But I know when my father passed away, it wasn't a celebration. Like, I was sad, but it was, it was like this. I know where he's going. I know what right. he went through, and it was like a relief. So, yeah, I definitely connect with you on that, I should say. Yeah, it's and and you probably got a lot of your emotions me. out with your mom. You know, you probably got a lot of that anger and stuff out when you lost your mom. And so, you know, because when your dad, and it, w- it was different, you know, and that's cool. That's good to see that progression. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, it's my privilege. All right, Doug, what, what about us when we're sitting there in the hospital, um, sitting there at a family's home, and they're just looking at us saying, why? You know, why? Yeah. What? What, you know, I know that's a very common question. Um, mm-hmm. Just in that moment, what, what do you think our thoughts or our, our actions should be? What, do you, what advice on yeah. that? I, I have two stories to tell, and then I'll give you what I think. I remember when I was interning at my home church, I was, um, I was 18, 19 years old, and this was back before internships really began. So I was pretty fortunate and I knew this particular family. I'd gotten to know them really well, and my pastor knew that. Well, he sent me to the hospital that night to make the call. Well, what I didn't know is that this dad had passed away, and I'm not sure my pastor knew that. But I walk into the room, and he's gone. He's laying there on the bed, and the family is crying, and I'm 19 years old. And I, I'll, I still don't remember what I said. I still don't remember. I just remember coming in and giving them all hugs, and I just led them in prayer and just loved them. And um, just I just remember feeling the Holy Spirit kind of descending there and just, just, just being there with us in the room. I'm sitting here at the age of 19 doing this. And, you know, and very early on I realized, man, this is what I want to do. I want to be there when it, the pain is the greatest for people. I want to be there when that moment is, you know, because um, I think a lot of people, they shirk away from that or they avoid that. Don't avoid it. That's the moment when you've got the greatest, you know, you've got the greatest impact, I think, in loving people. Now, this family was saved. They knew God. And so that was a little bit different. But uh, I took you to another scenario. It was years later. I was the youth pastor at church, and our pastor was out of town on a mission trip. And the guy I played basketball with, he was 
uh, had a family, had a mom, had a, a wife and kids, and he would come up and play. Worked for a, a, like a FedEx or UPS. Really good family. Um, and and um, uh, his wife went into a coma just like that. I mean, it was just sudden. And they he called me, and so I went up to the hospital. They transferred her down to Oklahoma City, and um, and this was a Hispanic family. And I say that because. Uh, Hispanic families tend to be really big. They they're they're huge when it comes to family. They love family, so they end up having a lot of kids. And so I remember going down to Oklahoma City, and there just was I mean there was 20 family members there, and uh, many of them were of different faiths and stuff. And I remember going and just spending time with him and her. And it turned out she had um, she had like a brain tumor, and she was not going to wake up. And we prayed. Um, you know, I fasted. This was over, a, I don't know, a two-week period, almost three weeks. You know, our pastor got back. Maybe it was two weeks. And I remember, you know, they ended up having to pull the plug and being there and just, you know, I didn't say a whole lot. I just loved him. I just prayed for him. I made sure he knew. I checked on him, you know. Um, I didn't try to give all these answers of, well, this is why, you know, and I did. I had some people say, well, why is this happening? And I just was honest. I said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why. But I know God's faithful, even in the midst of this. I've seen that. And I don't know why. And I think that's one of the greatest answers sometimes we can give as ministers is I don't know. And it's almost kind of a release to people as opposed to trying to talk your way through it. And, you know, unless, again, you got a word from the Lord, I think sometimes it's healthier just to say, I don't know, but I'm praying and I'm believing. Um, and so maybe that's a little bit more perspective. I do think there's certain circumstances, things you can say. I do certainly think there's moments when God does give you uh, uh, things to say. Obviously, going through, you know, the more circumstances and things as you get older in life, it gives you more experience, which allows you more perspective. Uh, I know when, if I were to walk into a hospital room today, um, um, having gone through what I've gone through and what we're going through with our friends, I'm very much at peace in those situations because of just what I've been through in my own life. I know that pain. I know that level of pain. Um, but pain is pain again, too. You know, um, and some people are just going to be angry no matter what. But I think the big thing is just showing up and being there. Yeah, and that's just oftentimes so hard for us because we feel like we have to have the right words, but yep. I think just our presence often is louder than our words. Yep, that's true. All right, we got time for one more question. So 918, area code, you're up. <clears throat> uh, hey, Pastor Doug. Um, yeah, I personally, like when I was in youth, uh, going to like youth camp and everything, I remember uh, the battle that you went through with your family uh, during yeah. that moment. Um, what was one of the like big passage like was there a passage of scripture that really helped you through those moments uh, of grief was you losing your son was there uh, maybe a specific verse or like what you know what really got you through those moments uh, when you were diving into your words right uh, and and to be real honest with you I was not reading the bible a whole lot during that time I couldn't muster the energy yeah. I would just in moments I would just pray prayers god I don't know what to say right now God, I love you. And I just, that's kind of how it went. Um, I was not this spiritual giant 
in the midst of that. There was never a scripture that 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 I stood on. You know, people say hey, this is a scripture I'm standing on, and you know, and I'm not degrading that. There's nothing wrong with that. That was just never the case uh, with me. Um, there was never a, a moment or, a, you know, with what I shared with you today, obviously came after. That's when really all that stuff started flooding in. Um, because of what we were, it, literally, it was the next day we were in the hospital. It was so crazy, the turnaround. And so it was just like, just boom, go. And so um, um, there wasn't. But I will tell you this. I felt God and I knew God and I felt his word and knew his word because I had it in my heart. And this is really important. You know, this taught me all those years of memorizing God's word and reading it and devotion times because I just didn't want to do it. But I had it in my heart. And so it was able to carry me and encourage me because there were moments when scriptures would flood back or... I would think of this, but there was never just one, but it was the fact, and it really taught me uh, when we do hide God's word in our heart, you know, and I think about, I think about guys who get imprisoned, Christians who get imprisoned overseas, and they don't have a Bible, everything's taken away, but it's, it's hidden in their heart, and so they can pull that out, they can extract it, the Holy Spirit brings it out, you know, when you're in those moments, because um, we do, we always picture us having our Bibles. But um, there was never one. But I do think that was a great lesson I learned was that, you know what, we're going to be okay. God's in control. And I do believe, even though my son's suffering, that, that he's in control of this. And so there was never doubts. There was never, I'm leaving God. There was never. But that was all because I'd paid a price years before and leading up to that time of just reading God's Word and pursuing Him and praying and devotional time and fasting, and, and that, which I think prepared me for that moment, for those moments. All right, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, Doug, well, we're almost out of time, and, and uh, I know lots of people are just getting uh, touched by what you're saying. Is there any last uh, advice or words you want to leave us with? Yeah, I do. I want to say this one last time. Um, please do not get off this call and feel sorry for us and go, man, I just had my perspective adjusted today. I'm not going to complain anymore. This pain that I'm dealing with, it doesn't compare in what they've gone through. Please understand and know that, that God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to speak to you guys today in this moment that pain is pain and that he loves you and he loves you in your pain. And although in your mind it may not measure up to a family losing their son to cancer, in God's, he has the same plan, the same purposes, the same love that he wants to give you that he gave us. And it, in your mind it may be this superficial pain, but again, pain is pain. And, he, and God desires to walk with you through that. However long it takes, um, it, that's how long it takes. But God loves you. And so I hope you won't get off this call and beat yourself up today, but you'll realize that whatever that pain is that's unspoken or that you're dealing with or family, that that's just important to him as the most incredible pain we could ever think of in our mind. So I love you guys. It's an honor to be here. Love you, Ryan. Thank you, man, so much. Uh, really appreciate the time and allow me to do this. 
Yeah, so good. It's just so even relevant to even where I'm at. In fact, my my wife just left while we were on the call to fly down to Houston to see her dad, who just had a massive uh, heart attack the, um, yesterday. And so, uh, even just right now, we're even in the midst of it. And her sister, who's only early 30s, just had a stroke out of nowhere. And so, uh, these these questions and um, these moments are just really uh, real to me right now, even. And so, I'm just really thankful for for your words and your advice, and it's been very helpful to me personally. And uh, I know our listeners as well. And so thank you so much, Doug, and uh, all you're doing for, for me and for us and for Oklahoma and for the Assemblies of God. You're just doing a great job. And so so uh, honored to, to sit under your leadership and, and your guidance. And, and I, I'm just really thankful for you. And so uh, thankful for everyone that's been on the call today. Uh, it's been a great call. And just a reminder, we do not have a call next month in December but we will pick it back up in January. Uh, we will have all those calls lined up for you on the website soon. Also, just a reminder, um, the book Prepared for Impact that uh, Paul Turner and myself wrote is available on Amazon as well. We will be sending out an email with some discount codes uh, coming up for Black Friday and uh, some other promo materials, or sorry, uh, materials that we have that go along with the book. We'll be emailing all that out to you. Um, so thankful for each of you guys being here. I uh, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving and uh, a great Christmas, and we'll see you guys in 2017.